everyone, and welcome back to the Balanced Bodies Blueprint. I'm your host, Penny Russo. And I'm your co-host, Dr. Aaron Stansfield. And we're shifting gears from all the conventional fitness narrative that you hear on most fitness podcasts as our main emphasis lies in preventative healthcare, adopting a holistic approach to nutrition, and challenging the traditional views on various fitness topics. Our mission with this podcast is to serve as your beacon, guiding you on a journey towards achieving optimal health. In today's podcast, we're doing a Q&A questions um, that were picked, and we will discuss each one, right? Um, Each question. We'll both give our point of views, but we're going a little bit informal here um, with just one mic and just going to chat back and forth. But I got the questions here on my phone, Uh, so I'll read the question, and then uh, we'll discuss. So um, first question says... Uh, what grinds your gears with the dieting culture today? You want me to go first? Yeah, you can go first. Okay. Um, well, I'm coming from the medical side and I think my biggest, um, pet peeve is when, um, clients or patients, as I like to call them, get tired of, um, conventional medicine and then they go to functional providers, Um, and a lot of times their functional providers aren't trained in medicine at all. Uh, maybe they've taken a course, um, that's been three months, um, or certification. Um, some nutritionists are giving out functional medicine protocols. And I think that is probably my biggest pet peeve. And the reason is because they're, um, getting misinformation a lot of times and they're, um, maybe even misdiagnosing some conditions or they're overdiagnosing um and it's not backed by any scientific evidence as far as the treatment protocols go um in a lot of cases and the most common one i see is issues with thyroid um they're quick to kind of point an issue at, um at the thyroid gland and say that you have a thyroid problem and then they, you know, do a workup that is usually unnecessary. And then um, a lot of times the treatment is unnecessary. Yeah, I, rem- I remember seeing on social media, there's a pretty well-known functional health practitioner, you could call him. Um, but he made a comment saying like, endocrinologists don't even know this. And I'm like, it took 13 plus years of schooling in a, and it became specialized. Like you, you had to go to medical school, then you had to specialize for a certain amount of years in specifically hormones and you have a functional health practitioner who doesn't who's not board certified who you know provides a lot of supplements to try to alleviate the symptoms um but they're saying like they know more than endocrinologists and i just kind of laughed at it and it's like i can't believe like this is like turning into i i feel like covid had something to do with it like the mistrust in the healthcare system so like people want to trust in someone or something yeah and that's like the new wave of things coming out but there's a lot of, like you said, mixed diagnosis going on and it's messing up some people. I think, um, yeah, I agree with you. I hate when um, statements like that are made that um, somebody might know more than somebody who took a, probably a good uh, third of their lives in training, right? Because it starts in undergrad, um, usually you're pre-med and then you go to four years in medical school and then you do residency. Um, and then you do a specialization on top of that. So, I mean, we're talking about years and years of training, um, compared to somebody who may not have had the same training. And on top of that, um, in those years of training and residency, they've seen thousands of patients. Um, and, uh, trust me, if you've seen endocrinologists, you're not the first 
person to come to them with a thyroid issue. Mm. Um, They're very well trained. um, And not to say that all doctors are created equal. There are good ones and there are bad ones. Um, But I will say um, that if they are board certified, they typically have a pretty good understanding of what's going on um, in the endocrine system if if that is their specialty. Um, Yeah, so I would definitely... Uh, if I had a loved one that was going to go see a functional provider versus a doctor, I would say, go see the physician who's actually trained in that area, um, versus a functional provider who I'm not sure what their training was. Yeah. And and it's not even that. It's like, sometimes people are just looking for a problem. And if they go to, um, let's just say an endocrinologist and they have a low normal thyroid they want to think that there's something wrong with them. They want a quick answer. And a functional practitioner would be one to say, your thyroid is low because it's low normal or subclinical. So here's going to be some bovine hormone. Yes. Yeah. We'll get into this <laughs> in a different podcast. Yes, but... We have one coming in. <laughs> okay. But yes, my pet peeve is subclinical um, thyroid issues. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say that... I do feel like a lot of patients do get frustrated with conventional medicine and they do try to seek out answers. And I see in some of those people, a good majority want an easy fix to their, to their issue. Um, when it, sometimes it's not an easy fix. Sometimes it's doing the hard stuff. And sometimes that involves changing your lifestyle, such as changing your diet or changing exercise. And I'm not talking about like you know, something that happens in a month or two, I'm talking about time, right? The, the time required to actually change your diet. We call it lifestyle changes because it changes your life literally. So, um, and that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, so with me, uh, with what grinds my gears with the dieting culture today, I had, uh, an incident of it today. Um, and I was telling you about it before, but it's, it's funny because you get these people that look the part and because they look the part and they're on Instagram or TikTok with their shirt off, giving advice, it makes people want to believe them. Yes. And they're giving out terrible, terrible information. And I am someone who, when I go on TikTok and see this, I go in and I mentioned this before on a different podcast, um, but I go in there and I ask them questions to show them that they don't know what they're talking about today. For example, this guy was completely ripped. Um, he's eating his egg whites and chicken and he's just telling people all this nonsense, nonsensical information. And this one question came in and um, the, the woman was like, is pasta bad? And he goes, come on, you know, the answer pasta is terrible for you. And he goes on his phone and he's like, let me show you the calories. And he goes and he looks up uh, fettuccine Alfredo. Now, if you guys don't know what fettuccine Alfredo is, it's a very thick, creamy sauce full of fat, just full of nonsense thrown, but it tastes really good. Thrown, just thrown on top of um, like flat spaghetti. So he looks up those calories and over, he's like for two cups, which is a lot of food uh, for two cups of fettuccine Alfredo. Cause that's a lot of sauce as well. You're getting X amount of calories. And he's like, this is quadrupling my number of fat that I need for the day in just one meal. So I put in there, I was like, pasta is not Alfredo sauce. And he's like, well, who eats pasta plain? And I'm like, oh, I know a lot of people that eat pasta plain. I know a lot of people who put olive oil on pasta. I know a lot of people who put tuna fish, cold tuna fish in pasta, put it in the fridge and eat it as almost like a um, 
macaroni salad, you could call it. Um, and it was just, I had to leave cause I was just getting upset because he's just like trying to support his case, trying to support his bullshit answer. And he's just out there and people are listening. People are like, Oh my God. Yes. Like, and they're asking him questions. And it's funny. Cause it's like, I go on there and I try to give legitimate information. Um, and I get like four people that come in. <laughs> this guy had like 720 in there when I went in and just comment after comment after comment. And just that kind of, that grinds my gears because people are so quick to believe someone by just the way that they look. Now, I will say this though, if you are a personal trainer or you are a nutritionist, you better look the part. Like you should do that, especially if you have clients because you, you should be practicing what you preach. But just because you have abs doesn't mean you know how to diet. Just because you competed in one competition doesn't mean now you're a bodybuilding coach and you could coach people to stage because you're going to fucking hurt them and it's happened before. And I even called one of my friends out on it who did one competition and then he tried coaching people to stage and I called him out on it. Um, so yeah, as you can see, I'm getting a little heated. So that stuff grinds my gears. <laughs> um, well, two things. One is I know we don't get into glycemic index or load, but pasta al dente is actually not too bad. Um, anyway, and the other thing is I've seen the same thing where a lot of bikini competitors um, will be like, you know, they won uh, one competition or they got um, first place or they qualified for nationals or something like that. And all of a sudden they're giving out nutrition advice. Yeah. And I, I just uh, doubt their qualifications. Yeah. But their advice is the diet that they just had to go on stage. Yeah. That's, that's their advice. That's all they know. Yeah. yeah. And that's exactly right. And it actually, um, if you're giving out advice like that, you, you don't know sometimes the harm that you could cause somebody else. Yeah. Um, and I think, I hope that if people actually understood that, that they wouldn't give that advice out. Um, but I see it all the time, all yeah. the time. Um, people condemning certain foods, condemning doctors, condemning just because they won their NPC competition. Yeah. And uh, it's very unfair. Uh, you should definitely check into the qualifications of the person that you're receiving advice from. Yes, you should not be so gullible and just believe because they look good or because they won that you're going to win if you use them, uh, if they're your coach. Because there's a lot of great professional athletes out there that can't coach, but they could play the hell out of a game. Um, let's go on to the second one. Um, so it says, what are the most important labs this is a good one. What are the most important labs to actually pay attention to? Now, I know you're going to know way more about this than me, so I'm going to let you take the lead here. But just off the top of my head, the ones that I think that you should really pay attention to is um, your hemoglobin A1C, because that's a, a three-month number um, compared to just your fasting blood glucose. Um, I would definitely say your lipid panel. So we're looking at total cholesterol, LDLs especially, um, HDL, and even that ratio. And um, I'm, I would throw in there um, thyroid, even though we just kind of talked about it a little bit, but you definitely want to make sure that's on par. And also, I think um, liver is important to, to, um, to just monitor, make sure that you're, you know, you're okay with that. I know you probably don't agree with that, but what's your, uh, what's your response to that? Why answer my question? <laughs> I think. Um, well, you could dive deep into more like why you want to look at these. So I think it, it depends on your age group. So my first recommendation is that um, everyone should have a physician and get regular physicals. And it seems ridiculous in your twenties 
Um, but I really think that um, preventative health care should be a thing. It's it's underrated in our American um, uh, health care system as far as actually receiving it. But if if you can take some accountability for your own health and actually start getting your lipid panels in your 20s and, and you know, knowing uh, what your vital statistics are. So your, you know, your blood pressure and your BMI, even though it's outdated and there are better measures for um, body composition, um, definitely. But if you know these things, you can at least keep track of them. And then, you know, depending on your age group, certain labs come along with that. Um, and as you mentioned before, and as I just said, the lipid panel becomes very important, mostly to measure cardiovascular risk, um, just because it's so prevalent. Um, and the biggest number there besides looking at your to total cholesterol is going to be your LDL. That's really the important number um, because the higher that number is, um, it correlates directly with your risk for a cardiovascular event, um, whether that be a heart attack or stroke. So that, that number you want to keep low. Um, your HDL, that's your good cholesterol. You want to keep that number um, above 40 um, is, is a good you know goal. Um, but that number tends to be, or that type of cholesterol tends to be more protective uh, for a cardiovascular event. But really, I would say focus on lowering LDL. And then uh, next, you mentioned hemoglobin A1C. I like that measure because it looks at the um, sugar on your red blood cells. Red blood cells recycle every three months. Um, and so you have a three-month measure of what uh, your uh, glucose looks like uh, on those red blood cells and gives you a measure of whether um, you are uh, pre-diabetic or diabetic. Um, fasting glucose, uh, not the best measure in my eyes, although it is commonly obtained and it is a, a, a measure uh, I like looking at the hemoglobin A1C. Um, and then you mentioned thyroid, and I'd just like to make a plug for if somebody is getting thyroid labs on you, it's typically for a reason. Um, usually you have some symptoms associated with that, um, whether that be fatigue, sometimes they're just very generalized symptoms, um, and the most common one being fatigue. But TSH and your uh, T4 are going to be important there. Um, and any other measures of thyroid usually are not necessary Wait, at the very so, beginning. So you mean that reverse T3 isn't yeah. important? No, not unless you're in the ICU. <laughs> um, reverse T3 is something- a lot of functional people. Yeah. You got to get that number. Yeah. Um, and we'll, again, we'll do another episode about thyroid um, and actually get an endocrinologist that that is more of an expert in this area. But um, uh, reverse T3 is one of my, another pet peeve of mine. There's no- um, medical reason that um, physicians uh, get it unless you are very ill. Mm -hmm. um, like I'm talking about ICU mm -hmm. uh, ill. So uh, typically it's not necessary um, and it's not a good reflection of what's going on with your thyroid. Um, and then you mentioned, oh, liver. So liver, yes, important. Um, one of the biggest uh, you know, uh, issues with liver or one of the biggest diseases is cirrhosis. Um, one of the causes of cirrhosis is alcohol. Um, so if you're a big drinker, 
it's very important to look at liver function, make sure your liver function is okay. Um, if you take a lot of Tylenol as well. If you take a lot of steroids, people make sure you're checking. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then obviously another uh, reason is uh, hepatitis causes cirrhosis as well. And that's actually number one cause um, still. And then now we're seeing uh, non-alcoholic uh, fatty liver causing issues. And that's usually associated with obesity. Yeah. So, um, so those are important labs to be looking at. Um, I'd also, you know, uh, other routine labs that are go along with that are your uh, electrolyte panel or CMP and a CBC looking at your complete blood count, mm-hmm. uh, making sure those, those counts look okay. All right. Awesome. Um, and then the last one that we're going to talk about is a more of a philosophical question that was asked to us. And it is, um, what is something you believed about fitness, but later changed your mind about, which I think is a pretty damn good question. Cause, um, I feel like, um, there's, there's always going to be an evolution with what, you know, with learning things. And the more that we understand something, the more we can look deeper into it, the more we can understand same thing with technology, the more it advances, the more we're able to actually know about specific um, variables or topics, whatever you want to call it. Call it. Um, I would say one thing that really um, kind of that, that I was very adamant about was fasted cardio. Um, I'm still adamant about it in terms of like me doing it. Um, I just feel like, and I could be biased that um, I respond better that way in terms of if I want to lean out. Um it's, it's, that's, that's one of the tools that I use, but research says it doesn't matter. Um, you might be burning more fat in a fasted state, but then you will actually, um, you will basically, um, store more fat later on in the day because it wants an even balance over the day. Um, same thing with, you know, fed state cardio, fed state cardio, you might be using the glycogen, you might be using some fat stores, you might be using some of the food that you've already eaten, but overall it just happens to even out and be the same. Um, so facet cardio would be something that I was a huge believer in. Um, now with clients, it's kind of like, Hey, I will tell them to do it either facet post-workout. If you can't do that, or it makes you miserable, then do it when you can. Um, because overall in a grand scheme of things, it's not really going to make that big of a difference. I just think with my antidote evidence and what I've seen with the clients, I would lean a little bit more towards that, but I mean, the amount of research on it now comparing the two, it's, there's nothing, there's it's nil. All right. What about you? What's something that you believed? And so change your mind. I'd like to say just firstly, that, um, I think in medicine or in the scientific community, it's very difficult to admit, um, when we are wrong. Um, but that is the beauty of science, right? Um, as, more scientific evidence comes out, more randomized control studies. We often understand um, disease states uh, better or even drugs better. Um, And we might've been adamant about a certain belief um, based on the current evidence at the time. And then that does change. And I think it's hard um, for some clinicians to actually change their opinions sometimes. Uh, but it's something that I constantly have to find myself doing. I keep an open mind, um, look at the evidence and we've had discussions about this, um, you know, uh, what is the best available evidence right now? And then my, my poll is like, what is 
actually, um, you know, what has been looked at in a um, good study design with a good population and um, what was the outcome there. And usually I get that from randomized control studies. So that being said, what belief did I have um, where I drastically changed my opinion? I would say it had to do with obesity, actually. Um, so in medical school, uh, we were taught that um, obesity was very simple, that it usually had to do with patients not moving enough and um, not eating the right things. And um, later on, as I went through my medical career and residency, it became clear to me that obesity was a little bit more complicated than we thought. And um, that some of these patients that are struggling um, are very much trying to do the right things. And they're trying to um, make lifestyle changes. They're trying to diet. Um, they may not be perfect, but you know, then you start looking at the genetics of things. And what we realized, you know, back when I was in medical school is that we didn't really understand it very well. And I think as, um, you know, as these new classes of drugs come out, we um, were starting to figure out that it is a more complicated picture than, than, than just effort, than patient effort. And I think that's very important for, for people to know, because even as physicians, we were trained that our patients were, weren't putting forth the effort. And I think that was a big judgment on our part. Yeah, and even, even like with some of our clients, we'll look at blood work and like, you're the first to say, like, um, if, if their cholesterol is a little off, be like, let me, well, what do you have them? Like, let me see their diet. What have they been, been on? And I'll show you. And you're leaning towards like, they're probably like, that's the genetics. They're genetically predisposed yeah. to be, to having a higher cholesterol number. Yeah. It's more, um, you know, people, uh, we see the surface and often it's a little bit more complicated and it's very easy to pass judgment. Um, but there are people out there, um, patients out there that are putting forth the effort and trying to make the lifestyle changes. Nice. Well, I was, while you were talking, sorry, I'm just trying to make sure the lighting on this is good. Um, while you were talking, another one popped in my head that it's not backed by research, but I would say, um, with resistant, with resistance training, um, it's not so much how much volume can you do per session. It's not about that. I think it's all about intensity. Um, I told you, you know, <clears throat> recently uh, for, for a two-month period, I was kind of, I didn't want to be in the gym anymore. I just was going there and half-assing it. And now I'm loving it again, but I'm also doing something that I feel like I'm really responding to pretty well. Um, and it's not how many sets can I do? I got to do three or four sets of X amount of reps. It's like, I'm giving myself a warm-up set, an acclimation set, and then I'm doing a top set. And that top set is as intense as I can go. Um, heavy weight, failing around six to nine reps. Obviously I fail, I drop it and I do a rest pause. I take a couple deep breaths. I usually count 10 deep breaths and I throw it back up and I try doing more. I usually get like three or three to five and I'm spent. Like that's all I do for like a specific body part. Um, and I was actually watching, so there's this guy on YouTube now, his name's Sam, he's jacked, um, long hair, but he just like talks to the mic and he just, he's very personable. 
Um, and he was actually doing something with back the other day and he's like five sets of back and I'm out of here. And he's leaving. He's like, it's not about, you know, how many different exercises you could do just the exercise that you do do go intense, go crazy, go heavy on those. Um, and I feel like intensity has taken a backseat to things like volume and, uh, like how many sets are you doing and how many reps? Um, and I think if the intensity is there, you can't do that volume anyway. So I'm shifting my belief more towards less amount of overall volume more in terms of intensity and load on the muscle p.s that's for more advanced lifters i'm just happy if my patients actually resistance train i'm just saying one of my beliefs that i shifted on okay i think everyone should resistance train it's good for you um it helps with longevity i will say um as somebody who um who's been lifting for a long time myself even though you have not uh you know trained me at all um but i will say that uh one of my earliest coaches agreed with you right it was intensity um and uh really putting the focus like you know when you are doing your lifts like that mind body muscle connection yeah um, and, and really feeling that, um, I didn't ever care about how many reps I did. Um, but, uh, I will say that at the end of my sessions, I was always tired, uh, and that felt good. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this too, um, because we're still, we're on the topic. Um, if you, when you're doing your reps in terms of intensity, um, if you could just, if you could do a rep and it's on a quick pace. And you feel a burn, but you're on like rep 15. I mean, one, your 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 weight's probably a little bit too light. But just because you feel a burn and just because there's a little pain there, that's not the stimulus that's gonna cause you to get hypertrophy. Um, the stimulus is that last one or two reps to where you know you're at you're near failure. Um, it's not good to go to failure all the time, um, but you want to get very, very close to it because that those two reps are what's going to cause the growth. It's not the 15 reps you just did. It's the last two. It might be the 18th and 19th rep you do. Should really be like the 9th or 10th rep um, or even you know the 11th to 12th rep. But those last two reps is what's going to cause the growth. So if you feel like you could do more, you should do more, even if you are using a lighter weight, but you want to get that close to um, that failure mark to have the intensity to be able to cause your body to say, hey, I need to grow here. And since we're talking about lifting heavy things, um, my, my one plug is that uh, females are often told not to lift heavy. Please lift heavy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be afraid this, of the weights. Yeah, this might sound bad coming out, but you're supposed to train like a man. Like if you just look at how men like to train in the gym compared to how women, if you take like the averages, you mainly see women use very light weights focusing on form, which is great, but they're not getting any stimulus where guys might not be focusing on form or they're throwing weights around, dropping them all over, acting like animals. Um, you want to go towards that route because it's it's the intensity that's going to cause the stimulus for, for growth. Yeah. And, and you're not going to get too bulky. Yeah. You don't have the yeah. hormones in your body to, to do that unless you uh, take some, but um, but yeah, let's, let's wrap it up here. So on behalf of balanced bodies, I just want to say thank you once again for joining in on this episode of the balanced bodies blueprint. We are committed always to bringing you valuable content. And if you enjoyed today's show, uh, we'd really appreciate it. If you could just take a quick moment and just give us a five-star review. Um, if you could share this on social media, um, just trying to get the word out and get the knowledge around. And as you navigate 
your own path towards better health. Just remember that Balanced Bodies is forever in your corner, and we will see you all next Thursday. The podcast content may include discussions of medical topics and health-related information. However, the information provided should not be considered exhaustive or complete, and it should not be relied upon as a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment.